Welcome back to another episode of Sketch Nerds, where we break down sketch comedy. What works, what doesn't work, what we like, what we don't like, and why. Today we're going to be discussing sketches from Saturday Night Live and Alternatino with Arturo Castro. You can find information about this podcast, as well as the sketches we're going to be discussing, at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds. Joining me, as always, are Elizabeth E.K. Kemp. Hi. I'm not always here, but, you know. Julian Morgan. Not Again, not always here. Shoah Appleman. Hello. Welcome. Good to see you again. I just want to make this clear. Show is also not always here for the, those of you listening at home. And our- There's continuity issues here. I just Sorry, I just don't we, want anyone are we, are we to, keep doing to this? yeah okay. that's fine let's keep going right. let's just misrepresent the structure of the podcast and our guest Amy Vance and Brick Beckwin Amy welcome to the show <laughs> hello I'm delighted to be here I'm I'm very glad because this is this is we're throwing you in the deep end on this one it's um, been a interesting beginning okay good I'm I'm glad. Uh, so wait. In the event that Isaiah does elect to edit out the first twenty minutes of recording, <laughs> we should probably just list some of the topics that we worked through to give some of Amy's intro some context and whet their appetites for our eventual Patreon feed. Yes. Okay. Great. Uh, we talked about Gallagher too. Right. We talked about Ek having to poop. Mm-hmm. Maybe having to poop. It, that was the whole debate. There, that was a whole debate, and there were some socio-political and uh, race issues discussed as well. So that's what we have in that twenty minutes of footage that you can't hear unless you give us money. But and also, is Carrot Top still jacked? Oh yeah, it's oh, yeah I wasn't even sure that he was still alive. Answered, so. I wasn't even concerned about the muscle tone issue. That seems like mm-hmm. a guy who could like OD in a basement. Well, like, you right. do lose muscle tone when you're dead, EK. That's so true. I think it's all connected. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Good science fact. Yes. <laughs> but, but Amy... He left a jacked corpse. <laughs> Amy, before anything else happens, why don't you tell us a little bit about your experience with comedy? My and how you came pleasure. to sketch. <laughs> Quite a visual. Let's see. <laughs> I'm just thinking like the pallbearers couldn't lift him. They had to get the, some bodybuilders. special in. episode. They had to get the pallbearer. The wrestler, okay. They got Gallagher too in there, yeah. and he's Jack too for some reason. Is um, he? No. Is he? Oh. I don't even no, know who he's he not. is. He's not. Was Gallagher <laughs> Jack? No. Oh, okay. He was. He was. I mean, you you he can't was. be weak and lift yeah. a mallet Orlando. that size. Okay, maybe the mallet. He had he had some pretty good arms and shoulders from lifting the mallet. Okay. Yeah. All right, we'll okay. leave it there. We will, okay. because this we'll... is not. We're not talking about stand up. We're not. That's that's for a different podcast that I'm going to start after this one. Let's see. So I actually just got into comedy, like sketch and improv and stuff after college. So I always loved sketch comedy growing up and I watched SNL and I was super into British comedies, but I just never thought about doing it. I just lo- I was a big fan. And so after college, I moved to- back to D.C. or I moved to D.C. And then a couple years after that, I decided I don't even know why to take an improv class. And I didn't really like it. And then I really wanted to take a sketch writing class, but they didn't offer any in D.C. at this point. Mm. You can see how long ago this was. I'm old. And then I think about a year later, WITS, Washington Improv Theater, started, they offered their first sketch writing class. And it was Murphy McHugh and Tara Marr who taught it. And so I took both of those classes. And that was like the first sketch writing class. And I was super excited about it. And I loved it. 
And then that is when Brick Penguin, the sketch group that I'm in, formed. They had their first show, and they were looking for new members. And Murphy McHugh, who was teaching the sketch writing class that I was taking, asked if I wanted to read in for one of the rehearsals, and I did. And then they never asked me to leave, and that was nine years ago, and I'm still in the group. So it worked out, and it's been it's been awesome. And um, and yeah, so I've been doing that. And then I, a couple years ago, started doing storytelling, like comedic storytelling. Oh, so. okay. Have you done any Perfect Liars Club? I have. Okay. That has been, that's my favorite storytelling event that I've done in D.C. Oh, what is Perfect cool. Liars Club? If I remember, because I, I have I have yet to go see one, shame on me, but it's, uh, you know what, I'm not <laughs> even going to say because I haven't been there, and Amy, you've participated, so why don't you tell us? Okay, so it's a storytelling show where, um, so it's it's programmed, it's um, the host selects uh, four storytellers, and three of the storytellers are telling a true story, just, a, you know, from their lives, and then one is telling a lie. And the audience doesn't know who it is, who's telling the lie, and so you hear all the stories, and then... After the intermission, everyone interrogates the storytellers to try to figure out who the liar is, and then they all vote. And then they find out if the liar was a perfect liar or if they were found out to be the liar in the group. So it's hmm. it's an awesome show. Last year, I was the liar. I had told a few true stories before, but I was telling a lie. It was last November, and it was the story was about my mom um, being uh, a pedigree cat breeder. And she was, like, breeding these Norwegian forest cats, and we would go to these cat shows together, and it was awesome. It was, like, totally the life that I wish I had lived, and I duped everybody. Nice. nice. So it was very exciting. That must have been oh. more fun than telling the truth. It was a lot more fun. That's cool. Do you get to write your own lie? Or? Yes, you have to write, you write your own lie. Okay. And so it can be, like, I think it's sort of, like, the rule is, you know, like, 5% true, 95% a lie. So you can, you know... You could base it on, oh, I had a cat growing up, but then the rest has to be like a lie. So, gotcha. Yeah. So going going back to Brick Penguin for a second, uh, how do you guys? Uh, you've been around long enough that you've cycled through some some new members. How do you guys recruit? How do you audition? How do you find talent in DC? Well, we don't really have a process, which maybe is part of the problem. Um, <laughs> so we just, I mean, I think most of the group members that we've had have come from classes that people in our group have taught so sketch writing classes or improv classes or that kind of thing and yeah so we've just kind of pulled from that sort of we've pulled from that pool of people and it's kind of worked out I mean we've had a few people who have like moved to DC who have sketch writing experience and express interest in you know playing into a show and we kind of did that and if it if it works you know in terms of experience wise and just sort of like group dynamics, then we'll have that person continue with the group. So, but yeah, we've, we've had a lot of group members over the years and I think right now, yeah. So right now it's just Murphy and I who are so, sort of the founding members of the group. I, I actually came in after they had their first show. Um, so Murphy's really the only founding member left. Yeah. We probably had maybe like 13 to 20 people over like that nine year period who have kind of played in and, and come and gone but yeah. but yeah I mean I think one of the reasons like I really enjoy the group so much is, is the people like just the friendships we have in the group and I think we would just work really well together and that's just made it really fun to do and continue to do after all these years so yeah, yeah. that's one thing I always wondered because you, you guys you're, the core members were there for a long time mm -hmm. yeah um, and so like I'm always interested in uh, I kind of ask this for every group that's that has that like longevity. Also, you were like the main, you were like really the the main and really the only sketch comedy element in DC for a long time. So like how like how did you keep a group together? Like, how, like the core members, 
how do you keep them all together? And when you recruit new members, obviously people fall off because sketch writing and sketch rehearsal and stuff like yep. that. Sketch is really hard to do. Yep. We've been together for a while and it just amazes me how like, because I, I don't have the answer. <laughs> me, me neither. I don't know okay. why people stay, but they do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think we all just really enjoy it. We, all, I mean, I think everyone in in the group has just been very dedicated and a really hard worker. And we, I mean, I think our big thing is doing live shows. Like we do lots of live shows. We love doing live shows. We've obviously done some videos too, but I think like our, you know, our real strength is in our live shows. And so it's finding people who are just, you know, super excited about writing and performing. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I think we've gotten lucky with people that have, you know, been willing to commit you know, the time, I think we all know that that's always like a thing. It's just like committing the time and doing it and then re getting super excited about performing. So, yeah, that's that's an interesting, a uh, little bit of an interesting contrast. Bad Medicine's more like an amoeba or the Borg. They just sort of mm. find something they like and then take it over. And then <laughs> you're in the group and that's it. <laughs> that's how I recruited Seth. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah, I found him in a basement. He's like, you seem talented. You're going to be in our sketch group now. And then he was. And yeah. now the only reason I stay is because Shoah occasionally hosts our board meetings at her house and we get Bonchon and Ooh, I love Bonchon. Yeah. It's a pretty good scene over there. Uh so introducing our first sketch today is Amy Vance. So tell us a little bit about what you brought in. Sure. So I brought in the Falconer Time Machine. And it's uh, by a little show called Saturday Night Live. Um, it's from 2006, and it stars Will Forte as Ken the Falconer Mortimer. <laughs> yes. So, oh, excuse me. It's amazing. Uh, so this particular sketch was actually the last in a series of nine reoccurring sketches that ran from 2002 to 2006. And they all starred Forte as a former ad executive from Baltimore who left his career and wife, moved into the forest, and assumed the identity of the Falconer, alongside his companion, Donald the Falcon. And the sketch was written and created by Leo Allen. Okay, well, let's cut to a clip. I don't know, what do you get when you cross a monkey with a nun? <coughs> Donald, I should wash your beak out with soap, you dirty bird, you dirty funny bird. Oh, Donald, thank God you're alive. The hunter's bullets have not yet pierced your heart. Who are you? I am Ken the Falconer Mortimer. But uh, that's impossible. I am Ken the Falconer Mortimer. Today, the impossible becomes the possible. Okay, first question. Why don't we go with this? Why was a time travel sketch arguably the standout sketch in the recurring series? That is my question, too. <laughs> I was trying to figure that out. So I just like a little bit of just background on the sketch. So I went back and I watched all the other sketches, which are hilarious. And I definitely recommend doing that. They, they, they all have like a similar structure, but it's not. They flip the premise for this last sketch, the time travel sketch. So in all the other sketches, it's, you know, the opening sequence is the same. There's some like witty banter between the Falconer and Donald the Falcon. And then some kind of peril befalls the Falconer. And Donald is sent out to save him. But he gets distracted on his journey and he, in the modern world, and he usually engages in like, you know, sexual escapades or drugs or like, you know, 
he, he's, he indulges a little bit too lavishly before he remembers that he has to save the falconer and he flies back and he saves him and then the falconer forgives him. So that's kind of like how all the other sketches go. And this one is different because it flips the premise because this time Donald is the one in peril and the falconer has to save him. I have a couple ideas of why this might be the most renowned sort of 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 these this reoccurring series. I mean, I do think that the time travel motif actually has a lot to do with it because people love time travel. They love I, it. I, I agree with that. I love time travel and I'm a person. So yeah. Yeah. So I think that that is probably one of the reasons. I think that unlike the other sketches, this has like this awesome group game heightening that happens that includes I think every cast member of SNL, which is awesome. And it's just like a lot, it's just very like a lot of wacky, absurd heightening that I think is sort of like a, like a hallmark of Forte's best sense of humor. But you don't get that in the other Falconer sketches. So you get other great things. You get Donald, you know, anthropomorphizing this wacky Falcon doing human stuff. But I mean, yeah, it's not time travel. I think like everyone wants to see every member of SNL, yeah, and you have all these just like silly sort of non sequiturs with the um, like the the mud hut time travel machine, like that kind of stuff's thrown in. So you just have a lot of like wacky elements that kind of work together that I think make this stand out more than the others. I was just thinking uh, about the practicalities of doing this in a, a weekly sketch show. The costume department, <laughs> the wig and costume department must have been worked tirelessly <laughs> to produce that many exact wigs and exact yes. sets of clothing. But it's but it's not exact, which is part of what made it funny, is that it gets less and less exact with every iteration of the group, and it just becomes like, we just found this wig in the back, and yeah. we just put it on <laughs> Kenan Thompson, and that was how it was going to go. <laughs> yeah, Amy Poehler's beard is definitely like not, it's not like... Congruent with the other beards at the beginning. No. Yeah. You, you <laughs> Very said, gray. You said before that uh, that you think maybe um, Rachel Dratch was the best. I think. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was Amy Poehler. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of. Yeah. I mean, Amy Poehler, I think, had the best voice. So I figured out today, I think that, I don't know if you remember the scene from The Wizard of Oz when they go to Munchkinland and there's the mayor of the town who has this like proclamation that he delivers. Anyway, I'm pretty sure that her voice was based on the mayor of Munchkinland. Nice. <laughs> anyway. But it is very funny, but I just like Rachel Dratch because she has, like, the craziest eyes. Craziest That's eyes true. in the business. Yeah. yeah. And I just love her. But, uh, yeah, Amy Amy Poehler was excellent as well. I actually have another question off topic. Well, not off topic, but a real tangent. So, which came first, the Falcon or the sketch, the Falconer? Do you think somebody was inspired to write this because somewhere in the SNL rooms they just had this random stuffed Falcon? Or do you think somebody had this great idea and made someone go out and get a random stuffed Falcon? I don't know. Like That's if it's if the idea came from Will Forte or Leo Allen, like I don't know where the character came from. I mean, Leo Allen is is one of my favorite comedians. Like I I still to this day remember seeing their he was part of some comedy duo. Yeah, it was like Slovin Slovnik or something Allen? Slovnik. It was like yeah. him and that yeah. But they had this phenomenal special on Comedy Central where there was this bit about a guy pulling a raw turkey <laughs> out of a backpack and he just sort of like, he almost approaches the other guy like he's a drug dealer. So he's like, hey man, hey man, you want to you wanna slap a turkey? <laughs> 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 and then he's just like, you know, like a straight man reaction. Then he's like, no, 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 just, 
slap it. Just slap the turkey. <laughs> and then it and then it just it ends basically with this guy just like pummeling this raw turkey. And it, anyway, I don't and know. And then there's a ham. I did actually watch this last night because I was like, I want to see what else he's written. Oh god. And then I there's the ham. The yeah. ham comes out. The other guy has a ham and they're slapping the ham and you want to slap it was the horrified. Ham? <laughs> All right. I, uh, anyway, I, that's totally on topic. But the point and, like, to your question about like where did it come from? I mean, he certainly has a, a knack for the absurd. There's also a time travel sketch in in that special as well, I think. But um, but I mean, Will Forte also just does phenomenal character sketches yeah. on SNL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the Falcon Donald, as I will refer to oh, him, Donald. Donald, Donald. oh Donald. Um, he's it's it's just I love that you can see all the strings attached to oh, him. Yeah. Like that oh, is yeah, one of my yeah. favorite things about it. And they always do like in a lot of a few of the other sketches, they like zoom in on his face, on his eyes, which like there's nothing to zoom in on because it's just like. His eyes that don't Dead. move. Two glass beads, yeah. <laughs> but it's like such a, sh- it's such a, like a crappy, shabby prop yeah. falcon. Yep. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I feel like he, it might have just been something that like someone tripped over right. backstage and they're like, we're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. yeah th- th- it was The props were definitely the star of the sketch for me. Yeah. Like the, the time machine too had me laughing. Where yeah. Just, just this pile of people inside this tiny time, time machine. <laughs> yeah. Weird little wooden hut with like some sort of rotating spoon. dish or spoon. Yeah, yeah, that thing. Was, it was a like spoon. popsicles yeah. with beards. Yeah. <laughs> and then they have like when there's more of them in it, they like kind of like have them laying on top of each other. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, All the lot. details are great. Speaking of details, okay. So this is clearly absurdist comedy. The detail and the level of detail, do you think that contributed to making this sketch work? I do. I do. Um, I just, I think because you're like, I, you know, I was kind of thinking about this before. You're starting off crazy. Yeah. And people who, even if you didn't really watch the other, you know, sketches in the series, I mean, you're, you're starting off in this, with this ridiculous falcon making a joke, you know, a dirty joke about a monkey and a nut. So you need, in order to heighten successfully, like you need a lot of, you need more than just, you know, uh, verbal jokes. I mean, you need a lot more to, like, really kind of build that world and, and keep the audience interest. I mean, it, one of the things I like about this sketch is, like, every time I go back and watch it, I find, like, one other thing in it that I, like, really love. Nice. I went back and watched it today, and there was a, a joke that I think, like, Kevin Spacey delivers at one point when they're going back through time and they're trying to warn Donald and the Falconer. And then Spacey's like, Donald Duck! Yes. <laughs> Which is such a dumb joke, and I'm like, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, it's really bad, but yeah, I think I think that might have been the first, like the first this, or second yeah, time yeah. they went back. That was fairly early on, I think. And that's just like a fun little extra thing that they threw in there. I feel like to make it even more dumb and nutty. But it also grounded it in time travel reality. So there's the, the different schools of thought, and this is clearly using the multiverse time travel school of thought. I right. like that you frame this up with time Ooh. travel reality. <laughs> as though it is a thing. 20 years <laughs> in it the is, future. Well, he invented it with gumption. <laughs> but he also had the vision to think about multiverses and how if you're if that's the mode of time travel you've chosen, that's going to set up the joke where you're creating different versions of people and you're bringing them all into a similar uh, a similar realm essentially so that was that was fun like so it grounded it in some reality um that made it even funnier Mm -hmm. i do like the play with the fatigue of the joke i mean there's the dilemma with repetition do you do you do it three times four times and then try to exit out before it gets tiresome or do you 
let it get tired, let kind of exhaust it, and then do it enough more times that it becomes funny again and even more funny than it was the first few repetitions. This uh, this is a great example of that to me. I, I have to agree. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I thought the repetition, I thought the repetition is great because it added another element and it added the unison element. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, I love that. Where it yeah. wasn't just okay, they're going to come out and they're going to do the same thing. It's are all of these people going to be able to say these lines in unison while doing the falconer voice? <laughs> and the answer was yes, yes, they were every time, which was pretty great. Yeah, the end, the last, you know, the last beat of that was so fantastic because there's just so many lines that they have to deliver <laughs> together and like, yeah, it was great. And then to cap it with the the quick punch from Maya Rudolph. Yeah. Okay. That was, that was like such a good ending to me because, I mean, I just felt like that was just so absurd in itself. Mm-hmm. Because there's like a million other ways that this could have been resolved. And they're like, that's the ending that they chose. They so easily convinced her not to shoot Donald. Yeah, it was just, it seemed like perfect to me. Uh, I also really loved when they went back in time and they found Abe Lincoln. Abe Lincoln. Lincoln, I'm I'm mixing that with. He was splitting some rails, which I thought was a really funny expression. Um, But I just love that. Like that was when I, you know, it was kind of like, okay, this is getting a little repetitive, and then they hit you over the head with Abe, and that was great. Oh, yeah, another time travel uh, reality yeah. sort of <laughs> problem you have to deal with. And then also what was kind of cool is I think SNL in this sketch at work because they could capitalize on the audience knowing the SNL cast. So at some point, just like you said, is it going to wane because they're out of white men? <laughs> um, and then that, that makes it even funnier where you see the woman and you see Keenan kind of rolling his eyes yeah. Yeah. And, and pulling everyone in, and that... They're, the, SNL does a good job. They know normally they're highlighting the host, but in this case, they know people have relationships with the cast members. So you get excited when you see more and more of the cast, and they played with that here. It's yeah. unique. Well, and it and was great building on playing with the fatigue of the yeah. joke and that risk of like, we're, we are just going headfirst into acknowledging that this is exactly what we're doing here. Like, it's going to get so repetitive. The only thing that's going to set it apart and even acknowledging that you're going to be tired at this point. This is when we bring out Keenan and Rachel Dratch. And it's just going to be like, wow, this you really have just exhausted your cast at this point. And that's what's did, happening They here. even did a tighter shot on Keenan, if I remember correctly. They did. It wasn't quite a close-up, but they... No, it was like three quarters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. him and and Dratch both. I mean, that they was were. Great. It was very. It was very clearly not like wanting you to see. Yeah. In no, with no question, that's Keenan Thompson. That's Rachel Dratch. We have. We are nowhere near Kevin Spacey and Will Forte <laughs> at this point. <laughs> Can I? This is. I. I wanted to tag up on the Lincoln thing because I actually had this thought while I was watching the sketch because the great phrase by the way tag up on on the the lincoln Lincoln thing thing. that's right uh that's that was a code phrase that he and mary todd used when they wanted some special time anyway moving on so since this the whole sketch the premise of the sketch is it's time travel to prevent someone from getting shot in the head right they they donald they make it very clear that donald is going to get shot in the head they have a moment with lincoln and not one of the falconers thinks to say to him, hey, don't go to Ford's Theater in 1865. <laughs> it's all about Donald. You know? I didn't even put that together. <laughs> yeah, that's really yeah, good. That's, I yeah, that's that that was above my head. This, yeah. is why, this is why you watch much smarter comedy than yep. the rest of yeah. us, Seth, because you're like, I got that. 
<laughs> this is why we're all watching Jap- Jacked Up Carrot Top and, yeah. <laughs> and you're reading historical You know what's great? <laughs> the, the guy who smashes the watermelons and he's just, and then there's Seth. But did you notice? <laughs> the subtle differences between Gallagher 1 and Gallagher 2. <laughs> no, I just, I was actually, I was slightly disappointed because I was waiting for just one of the Falconers to run back in the shot really quick and say something and then run back out. It didn't happen and I was like, oh, mm, yeah. I kind of wanted that. Because the, the Lincoln thing didn't land for me and it sounded like it didn't land for the audience either. I thought it was just a break. Like, you know, like a, just a tra- time travel thing. I thought it would have been funny if they brought him brought Lincoln with them. That would have been. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that would have been. Uh, yeah. I feel like I imagined it in a dream that Lincoln was in the mud hut when they were trapped, like the time travel, the time machine. I guess I did. I, I was just like, I had it in my head. I was like, oh, he's in there. He's in there. They I, they they made a little stick figure for Lincoln, and he's in there, but he wasn't when I went back and watched it, so yeah. it must have been a dream. That that actually would <laughs> that actually would have been great. I, I mean, don't get me wrong; the Falconer's speech was heartfelt, but can you imagine Abe Lincoln coming out and giving a speech on like the importance of not like breaking up a friendship or something like that by killing <laughs> one of them? See, I know it's it's making me wonder. Did they? Because I, I like the Abe thing. I mean, I just you know going back in time, like you know who, what historical figure would you have lunch with? It's just like when I think of time travel, I think you know I think of like those historical figures. But I wonder if they put him in it. If they used Abe as, for the reasons that you pointed out because they wanted to allude to him, you know, also being shot, and they just never sort of like did anything with the joke they just wanted to sort of like leave that for the audience who might get it or something or maybe they didn't think of that at all i don't know there's also a a good another reason and this is this is so weird but i just thought of this i might i'm probably just making this up but another reason to use lincoln is that he's far back enough to be believable as an overcompensation while still being funny Mm. I thought that's more what it was. Because mm. yeah. do we know for certain that Donald is shot in the head? Yes. yes. We it's... don't. I don't think we know at that point. But at the end of the episode, they have references to Donald not getting shot in his head. Well, I think you see him get shot in the head. I, I think yeah, one of the, yeah, one of the times. Head explode or yeah. 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 Multiple oh. times you see him. It's always a headshot. Okay. Well, okay. Yeah. I couldn't try. I couldn't remember. Yeah, but I just thought that was it, it, because he overcompensated by a matter of 140 <laughs> years or, or well, more than that, because Lincoln was clearly not president at that time. So right. like 150, 160 just years. They're splitting rails, yeah. <laughs> which I've is never it, heard of a log referred to as a rail. Is so. it OK to say something nice about Kevin Spacey? Yeah, I, I don't know that it's OK, but if you want to, EK, I won't stop you. I well let me let me couch it in in the context of before we knew. Well, uh, well regardless, what uh, one of the things <sighs> I appreciated about this sketch was the person who was hosting's willingness to be a part of the crowd and disappear like not necessarily be like sucking up all the air in the sketch but literally blending into the cast and the group like allowing that group dynamic and that premise of the sketch to win the day as opposed to just wanting to have it be like a self-promotion opportunity yeah it was so it was just a, a really nice seamless performance and a very generous performance that sometimes you don't get as much on SNL anymore. Yeah. Really well put. Yeah, very well I, put. I would totally like agree. I was thinking that too because I didn't realize it was Kevin Spacey. And I had to go back and like figure out who the host was because it wasn't he wasn't like calling himself out at all. So I thought it was kind of interesting too. 
This podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy troupe Bad Medicine, DC's best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. Visit badmedicinecomedy.com for info about live shows, workshops, and t-shirts for people who love comedy. Introducing our second sketch is Shoa. Shoa, why don't you tell us a little bit about this sketch and uh, where it came from? Oh, great. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So this sketch is called What the Sex Talk Looks Like Now. It was the first sketch that premiered on Alternatino. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, it's Arturo Castro's new sketch comedy show on Comedy Central. Arturo Castro, you might know him from Narcos or Broad City. And um, the show is a series of sketches. He writes, produces, and acts in them. And there is a focus on the Latin culture, but he also touches on a lot of other subjects. All right. Well, that was a very nice white lady introduction show. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. <laughs> and on that note, oh, let's cut to a clip. <laughs> so if you were to have sex with Emily... I wouldn't just have sex with Emily. We'd have to make that decision together. Homecoming's not an excuse to ignore consent. I'm not saying to ignore consent. I never said ignore consent. You and Emily, right, consensually decide to have sex. Vaginal? Yes, vaginal. Just two of us. How many people do you want? Yes, just the two of you, Colin. And I'm playing the traditional male role? Go to homecoming. You seem like you really wanted to talk about this. No, no, I don't want to talk about anything ever again. So I can go. Please do. Okay, Shoah, why'd you bring this one in? I really got a kick out of this sketch. When I saw it the first time, I thought, I'm going to really like this show. And right now... I'm 36 years old, and the gender fluidity topics are something that I've been trying to keep up with. And so this, this sketch did a good job at making me laugh at myself and also educating me on different things. And so I thought it was one of these comedy sketches that educates the user but also pokes fun, and that's my favorite kind of sketch. So the sketches that make a statement, and this one was making that statement. Okay. All right. On that note, what demographic, age demographic, do you think this sketch was targeting? So I thought it was targeting my age demographic, like the people who want to be progressive and want to be supportive, but who don't know what's going on or who will fumble along the way. And so I watched this and I was like, I think this is for me. I sent it to my friends. I showed it to my husband. And every time I watch it, I get a good laugh because I imagine that when we have kids, this will be what the sex talk looks like. And then also the sex talk is something that's universal. So everyone's had the sex talk. And it's I some disagree. Yeah, oh, me too. Hard disagree yeah. on that one. <laughs> you guys Hard didn't have a, a sex talk. Well, it wasn't. No. There's it, no? this is this has always struck me of funny. <laughs> what's funny about this trope, right, is that there's oh there's the sex talk joke, but I know more people who got most of their sex education in school, or you know you have the stupid conversations with your friends or whatever. But I I know very few people who actually had this conversation with their parents. That's a good point. So I guess the, I assumed everyone had the attempt at the sex talk. Like I certainly didn't learn anything from my parents, but I definitely had the, 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 the nod that, you know, we've covered our bases here, hmm. but that didn't, you didn't, your parents didn't even attempt to have it with you and it failed. No. I got a book, which oh. was probably very appropriate for me. It was a cartoon book <laughs> called, where did I come from? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, and yeah, I remember at the time reading the descriptions and being so disgusted by what I read that I couldn't imagine why anybody would want to do this. And then I went through puberty. Oh, so I get nine. And then you're like, like, yo, this book is yeah. dope. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was like, uh, I was like nine or 10 when I got the book. Seth's yeah. first porn. <laughs> we had a, I had a babysitter. 
I think when I was like eight or something and she had like, she babysat a bunch of kids after school and she had like a bunch of foster kids. And I remember one day she put us like in the TV room and she put this tape on. It was kind of like the miracle of birth. It was something like that, but there was a part where they explained sex but it was with two cartoon cats and their tails would intertwine and then like rub up and down. And that was it. That was that. That, is, that was that. <laughs> that is which not is how kind of works. adorable. <laughs> there's there's an old Simpsons episode where they show them like a 70s video with two cartoon rabbits. And I think Ooh. maybe that's what that is a reference to now. But yeah. Yes. I never saw that video. And uh, there's a lot. Yeah. It, you know, I, I wasn't as confused as you think I would be. Because anyway, of that. Yeah. And then I mean, the jerky boys. It is, it is fascinating, though, that even just listening <laughs> to us talk about it, like, there are some people who definitely had that experience and a lot of others who didn't, but somehow that trope, that setup still resonates and is still immediately clear to people, like, what the tension is or what mm-hmm. the nature of the, the conversation is going to be. I don't know. It's kind of fascinating that we all just accept that as something that we can we can play with. It's almost like a a type of sketch in and of itself. Yeah, if, if I may, I think it's because of the absolute flat-out awkwardness of talking about sex pretty much at all in current society. Like, it's, it's, it's one thing to talk about it with your friends, like your buddies, and usually people who are of the same gender as you, and it's... a Locker room talk, Seth? Well, I'm talking, Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> uh, if I had ever had any of these conversations in a locker room, then I would agree. But I haven't, so I don't. Um, <laughs> Sports. All right. But Dungeons it, and Dragons convention talk. Uh, there is... All I'm going to say is that the the meme of bards rolling to seduce something has become a big thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, please look it up. All right. Wow. But it's it's an awkward thing to talk about. It can even be awkward to talk about it with a partner, especially if they're new, right? Now, you're going to go talk to your parents. You don't want to think about your parents having done this. They don't want to think about you going to do this. So it's incredibly awkward on both sides, and it's an incredibly important topic. It's information that has to be passed on, but it's so uncomfortable for both parties but isn't that yeah. part of the joke here? That yeah. the kid isn't uncomfortable yeah. at all. And like that is. He's what? reflecting the new kind of normalization of like just having very open, transparent conversations about sex. And he's just like, Dad, why are you weird about this? Yeah, that was like, kind of the game for me. It was yeah, like yeah. the role reversal where the dad is trying to give the son the sex talk, but the son ends up giving the dad sex talk. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why I yeah, I totally agree. I think that's why it hits so hard and it's like it's the sex positive culture of today of like kids today and you know how normal it is just to talk, you know, openly about it and not be uncomfortable with it and that's yeah, sort of the new There's norm. there's definitely some stuff that the younger millennials and Gen Z have gotten incredibly right <laughs> and this general topic, I think, is one of them. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if you asked originally, like, what age group is this targeting? I'd be curious to see what a 13 or 14-year-old would think if they saw it. Would they say, well, yes, obviously, why is this father so backwards? I don't. I think that might be a little young, but I think once you get into, like, 16, 18, certainly college age, you're going to you're gonna yeah. see that. Although, to go back to that, I honestly wasn't sure who was supposed to be the butt of the joke. I couldn't tell whether the joke was, what are these crazy kids thinking of, or why am I behind the times? 
I really like the jokes in the sketch about the multiple partners. I mean, I know I don't know if I'm yeah. supposed to be laughing about that. But I, I, how, I, ma- how many people do you need? <laughs> yeah. I just love Arturo Castro has the best reactions to that. It, I mean, it's just so funny, and that ca- that came up I think like two or three times. It's a good joke to come back to. Oh, yeah, it did. It did. <laughs> well, yeah. and that that joke, like normal sex, is always funny. There was an Office episode where Dwight's like, "Do you do missionary or normal?" Well, even back then, that's just such a great line. <laughs> he did grow up on a farm. He so did grow up on a yeah, farm, so. right? So it makes you think. Yeah, yeah. Those those were the kind of jokes, though, where I can see why, if you were watching it, you might think the kid was you were meant to be able to laugh at the kid too yeah just because there is that like it's so fluid that like you can't just have sex with one person who identifies in every way as being the like a man or a woman and like i even as i'm saying it i realize the joke of the sketch would be like well i (laughs) well actually (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, there. So I, I understand the kind of like the level of detail with which the kid is able to push back on the father's questions is kind of funny, just because even having that frustration, I think as like I don't feel like a totally out of touch person, but having that conversation, I feel like can you just like you know what I'm asking you? Can can you just like be like have a conversation with me acknowledging that I don't know all of this vocabulary? Yeah, the the labels, that's why I think that's what sort of makes them sort of on equal footing for me. The, at first there's the power dynamic that's at play where like the dad is teaching the son, then the role reversal where the dad where the son is teaching the dad, but then they kind of get at a like a sort of like a, a stalemate one where they're kind of both to me the butt of the joke where it's like the dad's asking hey so are you into women and he's like what is it? I, I can't remember what he says he's like um for now for yeah for, yeah <laughs> for like, young. he's no. like I'm still yeah. young and he's like okay is Stacy or whatever a, a woman and she's like Bi- uh, biologically mm. so like I, I think just like the idea of just playing with labels makes them like the butt of the joke because then the son kind of goes like, like so like um, you're having vaginal sex it's like with more than one person or just one person. And then it kind of transitions into where the kid's kind of, I think, to me, a little more a butt of a joke where he's like, it starts getting to really, really specific. Right. Like I'm, like I'm playing the traditional man in this situation, you know, and like that's the that's what made it sort of. When you know that me. really all the dad is saying is like, don't get anybody pregnant. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I don't like. However, whoever you're with, that that could be an outcome yeah. of you ejaculating inside <laughs> yeah. them. Yeah. Like, just don't do that. And for those of you listening with children, you've just had the talk now. <laughs> yeah, that's how babies happen. So it's not cattails. They, they may be in it too. Yeah. Know, just but. don't. Put your dick in stuff. <laughs> How about this? Something something we haven't discussed is that the kid appears to be of age to actually have this conversation. Like, I could not tell how, how old that actor was, but, I mean, 14 at an absolute max seems about right. I was confused, too, because he was talking about going to homecoming, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure you don't go to homecoming unless you're in high school. Yeah. But he looks so young to me. To me, he looked like middle school. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, like he m- might have been... 
Yeah, that, well, that was. I weird. don't know. Things are getting. Uh, but have you? Yeah, have you seen yeah. like fourteen-year-olds recently? No, I, I, don't, I don't usually look at fourteen-year-olds. Ek, why? Well, the, do, the boys do, look do, young, <laughs> but the women are very special. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was cheap. Yeah. You know, goddamn well that there are people who are thirteen and fourteen-year-old who are just out there walking around on the street. You don't have to be a creeper about it <laughs> to see them. <laughs> that, that is that is a very fair point, and I I, with, I withdraw my cheap. Oh, no, look at them all the time. But yeah, that kid just looked definitely middle school age, yeah. like definitely young. But the, yeah. the other thing is, I, I could also see somebody have having decided, you know, what's a great idea? Homecoming. Why don't we do that in junior high now or something mm. like that? I thought jun- some middle schools did do really? homecoming. Mm. I don't know. We had like some dance, but it wasn't homecoming. Sadie Hawkins. It was a long time ago. Oh, for me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't remember. I don't think I would. Well, I feel like you could still get like a there's there, there are actors that are like they wouldn't call it a Sadie that, Hawkins they, dance they play anymore. high school That's characters. True, yeah. yeah. So I mean, you can get hmm. you could have got someone like that. I don't well, know. Well, and his looking so young added to the humor because if he looked like a teenager, you'd think, oh, this kid gets a lot of action. But really, this was like a dorky looking fourteen year old mm-hmm. who also uh, seemed to get a lot of action. Well, <laughs> yeah. no, no. I see. I thought part of the joke was that he was young enough looking. That he probably had not actually had any experiences yet that would actually, like, be considered substantive sexual experiences, even on the on the spectrum with which he is familiar and knowledgeable, but that he has all of this information and knowledge in advance. That works, too. Yeah. He's listened to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Yes. Sex positive po- podcasts. Definitely not this one. No. no. <laughs> no. Not gonna learn. Not gonna learn yeah, too much. Just about don't that. put your dick in stuff. <laughs> that's how. That's how bad medicine talks about sex. <laughs> the abstinent um, sketch comedy group. Right. Yeah. Heard We're that. an abstinence only sketch comedy <laughs> yes, group. Yes. <sorry>. Please <laughs> just is, don't do it. <laughs> we say as Shoa is pregnant across the table from us. <laughs> She's a cautionary tale. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this someone put their dick in Shoah. <laughs> oh, okay, this is getting uncomfortably personal, and I'm not even Shoah. And it was her husband. <laughs> okay, that's that's slightly better, I think. Yeah. Well, to add, add a, I mean, this has happened. We have had intercourse, but because I did IVF, like technically, could have done it without a dick in me. Oh, oh. True. oh. So our kid never has to think about us having intercourse. Wow. We just got well actually by Shoah about yeah. how but pregnancy yeah. happened. My God, this was a really informative podcast. I just Welcome to our new podcast, The People I've Fucked. Uh, no, it's not about it's, the fucking. You just missed the point, yeah, Seth. It's mm-hmm. consistent with our abstinence policy. Yes. Yeah. There's yeah. a range of ways to, to get pregnant. Abide by there's, the a, policy. there's a podcast yeah. called The Men I've Fucked or something like that. Oh. Uh, and I was, I, was, I was riffing a little on the That's title. Brick Penguin's podcast. Yeah, oh. There we go. Wait, was it? Never mind. We can talk about how IVF works in ours. Like, I only understand the very basic contours of it, but huh? Yeah, yes. You can do it okay. without a penis. There were cups involved, though, right? Like, there's cups and there's semen, but yeah. like it, nothing. Like the penis doesn't go in. Did private. he ever tell you what he watched 
while he was oh, oh <laughs> doing it. I yeah. imagine it was just like visions of me re- yeah. reciting <laughs> sketches to him. Like I'm sure that's it. This podcast, this very podcast. My favorite you know, is the. You, you say that now, but that's going to be for the hundred dollar and up subscribers on our Patreon. <laughs> yeah. It's a very particular it's fetish, like, and we will cater to it. <laughs> the show of fetish. The, the, no, the comedy person fetish. reading oh. sketch comedy to you. <laughs> But you've got to read it like this. Oh God. I can't imagine <laughs> anything that would be too. a better erection preventative than most sketch comedy. It's true. <laughs> I try to work jokes into our lovemaking, and he's like, please be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, I've gone soft. This is why we need IVF. <laughs> but as long as I'm getting a laugh, I don't even care. You know, I'm like, yes. But the joke was good. <laughs> we can't have children, but God damn it, I got the laugh. At the, no. at the risk of playing into you know what? I'm he not just, even going to say anything now. He just comes right. in. It's like, he's like, show up, burst in the door. Show up. Did you know we didn't have to put my penis in to get pregnant? <laughs> Your whole sex life has been a bit. Oh, God, that's wonderful. He doesn't listen to this show, and one day he will. He keeps telling me he's going to. He's going to be this very surprised when he gets to this episode. Uh, we yeah. haven't said his name or anything. We no, and we are not out. going yeah. to. We are not going to say his name. We did not consent. We did not get his consent to no, talk about his sex life on our show. On a podcast. Bad. It's robust. It's good. Time for final thoughts. Oh, Amy, as the guest, can you come up with a rating system so we can rate these sketches? I can. And my rating system is Donald the Falcon's Dirty Jokes. Ooh, okay. All right. And I know he only told one dirty joke in the time travel sketch, but every other sketch he tells more dirty jokes. So he tells a lot of dirty jokes. He's a dirty bird. By the way, uh, just that, uh, I believe that phrase dirty bird was used frequently in stephen king's misery i think uh annie wilkes the the antagonist referred to people and things as dirty birds quite a bit Mm. is that where the phrase originated no he picked it up he he picks up slang and then just shoves it in his books and whatnot so people say some really weird stuff what's his deal he's very rich and very successful that's his deal yeah but i mean other than that He's also weird and read a lot of H.P. Lovecraft growing up. Okay. He's a dirty I, bear. Yeah, I definitely I remember had a conversation where I said, Stephen King sucks, actually. Like, he's no. just not that good as a writer. Here on and, Sketch Nerds. Wow. And then <laughs> everyone <laughs> jumped down my throat. Yeah, uh-huh. and everyone jumped down my throat. It was, yeah. I want to say it was you and Andy. Well, Julie and I, I want to take this conversation off mic because apparently we've had, <laughs> okay. we've had it before, but we could talk about which Stephen King you read and why some of his stuff is good and why some of his stuff is just plain weird. And why your opinions are wrong. And why <laughs> your opinions are wrong. Just yeah. kidding. But, wait, but wait, I mean, I like which book in particular, like, which, like, in, I, I guess I'm curious, like, if you look at just the books and the writing or the books and the writing, like, in contrast to the movies that most oftentimes follow from his So, books. like, It, I think, was a good example. It was just the book was a meandering, like, I don't know, clusterfuck, and so was the movie. Okay, might say I, I, I have very clownish. specific problems with what? It, but that is not one of them. Okay. Okay. All right. But why don't we get back <laughs> to the rating system? Cool. Wow. I like how we've all read this thousand-page book. I have never read It or oh. seen either of the movies oh all the God. way through. Oh, okay. So I, I didn't I get like... through It. And the movies I got through somehow, but it was... It just made me afraid of gutters. Yeah, yeah that's fair. 
Oh, and that was like I thought that like, that for me was yeah. the key takeaway from that whole thing. Like I a... know he's like a demon in the gutter, and their bodies oh, yeah, like floating around and everything. Spoiler, but like really key takeaway there: don't go sticking your arms in gutters. I read that it, was actually bottom pretty, line. That was a, that was a good. I want to say I read it scene. when I was thirteen, mm-hmm. and there was an open air drainage system that we used to call the wash, which I would frequently use uh, as a shortcut on my way home. That was that was an interesting time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No clowns, though. Didn't see any clowns. Mm. But anyway. Well, I mean, it's playing off two fears, right? Like dark, small spaces and clowns. I think that's fair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's totally scary. Like, Okay. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, sorry. Anyway, so this this rating system. <laughs> I'm which sketch come. Dirty jokes. Donald the Falcon's <laughs> dirty jokes. Donald's dirty jokes. Donald's dirty Donald's jokes specifically. Dirty jokes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, then how many dirty jokes would you give Falconer time travel? I would give it... Four out of five. Four out of five, okay. And not five because I wanted to see a little bit more of anthropomorphized Donald mm-hmm. doing like dirty Donald stuff because I love I love all that hilariousness in the other sketches and I feel like I didn't get enough of that in this sketch, but I still really loved it for other reasons. So, All right. Uh, Shoa, what do you think? I would give it, I, I'm trying to figure out how many times they went back. Was it five times? Six times. Six times. So two to the sixth. Two to the sixth. Thirty jokes, just oh. for the number of times they went back and the okay. number of characters that it compounded. I am trying to remember what that is, and I can't off the top. Is it one twenty-eight? It's one twenty-eight cents. Too low. One twenty. It's one twenty-eight or two fifty-six. One of the two, but I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, Julian, how oh. many? How many of Donald's dirty jokes? Four out of five. How many? Or, sorry, not four out of five. <laughs> don't don't try to control him like that. What I the won't. Fuck, Seth. I won't. What the fuck? I'm just gonna let it alone. Julian, how many dirty jokes would you give Falconer time travel? Um, whenever I'm watching like a group or um, a show or something, I love where everyone in the cast is on stage at the same time. It's just that's just so fun for me as an audience person, and also just like as an actor too. If I'm if I'm in a scene with like everyone, that's so much fun. So that's that's like the main draw for me. Um, and then the Abraham Lincoln that sort that sort of sort of opened my eyes for that joke. So I had to rethink that. Um, but I'm gonna give it a seven out of ten dirty jokes. All right, very good. Mm. Seven out of ten dirty jokes. I, I think, uh, I think I'm actually going to go ahead and give this one four out of five, and th- it's because I'm a little disappointed that they didn't do anything else with Lincoln. But that's mm. that's it. Mm. Yeah. Ek, what do you got? I love, 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 Will Forte. He's fantastic. <laughs> I love Last Man on Earth. I just mm-hmm. basically like he is one of the few people where if I could like just set up surveillance equipment and just follow someone around in every moment of their lives just to see what they're doing. Like, it would be Will Forte, but in, like, a totally not creepy way. That can be arranged. Yeah, we'll figure it out. We're almost there Mm -hmm. with social media. Love Falcons. Um, Hmm. It is one of my dreams to just, you know, be in the desert with a falcon and then just, like, set it free for a moment and then have it come back to me and be like, <laughs> yes, I have falconed. By definition. I Yeah, I don't even I don't even know if that's how you would describe it, but it's just <laughs> like, God, fucking falcons. They're great birds of prey. Top, the, top are, arguably the best bird of prey. Really? I would and so, uh, okay, oh, right. oh, oh, oh. You want what? You want to, like, introduce a condor into this? Or? I was going to say a red-tailed hawk. Uh, no, not better than or a falcon. A no. Okay. Well, we'll better, talk about come that on. <laughs> better than better than like a peregrine. No. No. Was this a per, a Persian Persian falcon? 
Do we that's, know that's the, what it looked the like? Genus? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I would identify it as a taxidermied falcon. That's, that Does it unfamiliar with? <laughs> but it was supposed to be, you know, in his mind, it was a real falcon. Right. So you combine Will Forte, mm-hmm. a falcon, right? Time travel. Yes. Leo Allen. Okay. And then some really great fake beards and fake wigs. Can I also just have, I know this is your thing, but can I also say, like, the fact that he was an advertising executive from Baltimore? Yeah. Like, that's such a little nugget that is so weird and specific, and I love it. Anyway, that should get points. The fact that they managed to turn what was a very strange character sketch into this incredibly elaborate premise (laughs) sketch is fantastic. So, I'm going to give this sketch a Donald the Falcon joke so dirty. (laughs) That it gets Showa pregnant a second time. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Uh, that is a that is a potent joke. Um, yeah, I hope it's yeah. consensual. Yeah, <laughs> we we all do. Uh, oh, okay. So uh, I don't know where that consent, falls on the consent, spectrum consent. of consent or like sexual identity or gender well, identity, but I'm just saying, like, already confirmed that she likes to bring humor into the bedroom. So I mm-hmm. think it's it's got to be. I, but I mean, this could be like almost an immaculate conception thing. Yeah. Like it is a taxidermied falcon. Well, if it's so. a dirty joke, it'd be immaculate conception. Well, if her husband was he reading was the, the joke, <laughs> like was like Showa is on the bed and okay, her husband uh, Julian, is, we're, we're we're sailing into dangerous <laughs> waters. Just reading the joke, not even. Wait, can can you both, like, can you do clothed. the setup in like a sexy voice? No. Like no, show no. was sitting on the edge of the bed. No. They're both reading fully the clothed. transcript no, we in the can't. Will Forte time traveling Falconer sketch. <laughs> That's a sequel to fan fiction, which is a sketch by Bad Medicine Comedy, whose podcast this is. Anyway, uh, I do want to say that there was an episode or a sketch uh, where there was an indecent proposal made to Donald, and he has pretty explicit relations with Jason Lee. Mm, I remember that one. Yeah. Nice. Go back and watch it. So, Shoa, how many dirty jokes would you give what the sex talk looks like now? Oh, so the scale I'd like to use is terms. So um, in the sketch, they use the term FTX, and I didn't know what that was, so I had to go to a dictionary to look up the different terms, and there's one on Refinery29. It's got 83 different definitions of different words and ways to identify. So out of 83 different currently potential gender descriptions, I would give it 80. I love this sketch. I've watched it four times. It makes me laugh every time. It's educational. Uh, It resonates. Um, So I'd give it a lot. All right. That's 80 out of 83 terms. Pronouns. 80 out of 83 (laughs) pronouns you can use to identify yourself. Julian, why why don't you let me know how many terms you'd give what the sex talk looks like now? I think it's a really clever Really clever idea, and also it educated me as well because I I'm so out of the loop with with pronouns. So I'm gonna give it 75 pronouns. All right, hmm. 75 out of 83 pronouns. That's a solid. It's a solid score. Amy, what do you think? Hmm. Um, I don't think there was anything that I didn't like about the sketch. I I really liked it a lot, and I I feel like I normally don't like topical things or don't like them as much, but I really liked this. I thought it was so funny. I thought Arturo Castro was just awesome. His performance was hilarious. I love the music in it. I love the cutaways. So I would say, dare I say 83 out of 83? 
You oh. can certainly I'm dare. I'm going to say it. 83 out of 83. 83 out of 83 Terms pronouns. on a list. All right. EK? It's super timely, very clever. Acting is great. Writing is great. But in the spirit of the sketch and the message that it's trying to communicate, I'm not going to put a label on it. And I'm not going to rate <laughs> it's it. It's brave. Ooh. Yeah. I'm not going to assume that I understand enough about what this sketch wants to be or desires to be in the future to put a number on it. Oh, yeah. Who are we to judge this sketch? Who are we? Damn. Let's ta- I'm going to take really back good. my word. Yeah. I'm so <laughs> embarrassed. And Thank on that much. note, I'm just yeah. not going to rate it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not I'm not going to rate it. And I, you know, I think we all just, but no matter what happens, we're all going to vote for whoever the Democrat is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even if it's fucking Joe Biden, I don't yep. care. Yep. <laughs> Uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of Sketch Nerds. A special thanks to, thanks to our guest, Amy Vance, for being a guest on today's show. Where can our listeners find you online? Uh, the best place is BrickPenguin.com. And that's my sketch group, Brick Penguin. Um, you can also find us on Instagram, Brick Penguin, and Twitter, Brick Penguin. Uh, yeah, Brick Penguin. All right, so folks, if you want to find Amy, that is Brick Penguin. Go check out their stuff. So, fellow sketch nerd, please like, share, and subscribe. If you know of a great sketch we haven't discussed yet, please send it to us. We love getting suggestions. You can find out more about sketch nerds and bad medicine at badmedicinecomedy.com slash sketchnerds, where you can also find links to the sketches that we discussed today. You can find this podcast and previous episodes wherever you get your podcasts. For Amy, Julian, EK, and Shoa, I'm Seth Alcorn, and thank you for listening to Sketch Nerds. This episode was produced by Isaiah Hedden and recorded in Washington, D.C. The closing music tracks were provided by SoundtrackForEverything.com. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act, Fair Use Exemption, for criticism and commentary. The Sketch Nerds podcast is brought to you by the sketch comedy group Bad Medicine, D.C.'s best sketch comedy about the worst of humanity. For showtimes, videos, and funny t-shirts, please visit BadMedicineComedy.com.